Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the celebrating with the opposition to my celebrating with teammates. It's Justin Peach. <laughs> Hello, Ryan. <laughs> For anyone who isn't aware of what I've just said, it will make a lot more sense in about five minutes time. First off, Justin, how are you? I'm good. I'm better than Moses uh, Adebayo today. <laughs> <laughs> We've got very different opinions on that haven't we we'll talk Mm -hmm. about that very shortly just first off this is the midweek edition of the second tier podcast it's just a pretty much a run through of all the midweek games from the championship if you haven't been with us before thank you for listening Uh, we'll just fly through all the games that have happened on tuesday and wednesday Uh, so we'll start off with a game which i think we could call an early season six pointer forest against sheffield wednesday over their past seven games, both clubs had managed to win a total of four points, which just goes to show which kind of state they're both in at the moment. But it was Forrest who ran out the 2-0 winners, just Chris Hewton's fourth win in charge of the club. And worrying for Wednesday, it was fairly comfortable for them. We'll talk about them in a sec, but what an important win for Forrest, Justin. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's massive. And I saw a few um, Forest accounts on Twitter saying it's probably their most important game of the season so far. And it was very hard to disagree because I didn't realise how how few points Forest had. I, I thought they were down. I knew they were down there, but I didn't realise it was so close. It was even closer now. Derby picked up a win. Um, but yeah, you know, if they lose this, then you have to say that they're in a relegation fight. But they got the win and... Now, the important thing for them is to, to build on it because that's something they failed to do so far this season, especially under Hewton. Yeah, definitely. I mean, whether it's a turning point, we'll have to hold off for now on saying that because Forrest clearly have problems behind the scene and it's fair to say Wednesday were really not very good here at all, were no. they? Uh, Lewis Grabbing got his first goal of the season, though. He's missed the last two months through injury and you'd hope he could be the answer to their goal-scoring problems because Lau Taylor came into the side as his replacement scored a few goals early on but has struggled a bit in recent times but if he gets going then grabbing you've got one of the most reliable goal scorers in the championship banging them in for fun haven't you yeah even at 33 still dangerous I mean he took his goal brilliantly considering he's been out for as you say two months and at the start of the season he played a couple of games and he looked really really poor whether or not he was carrying an injury then is you know we don't know that but yeah, he looked really poor. So to take his goal the way he did um, was was really good, really composed. And that shows his experience. And as I say, at the age of 33, he's one of them strikers that just seems ageless. Like you don't, you look at him, you go, you're not 33, are you? Uh, you know, you don't realise how, how old they are. Um, but he's a good goal scorer at this level and Forrest need him to, to be banging form. Yeah, it's a fair point about the finish because he's probably been a sh- bit short of confidence after mm. his recent form. He's been pretty much out of form now since what springtime hasn't it it's been a tough 2020 for Lewis Graben so getting that goal will mean a world of difference for him um but yeah I also didn't realize he was 33 so thank you for bringing Mm. that up Uh, Tony Pulis has set a new Wednesday record for the worst start by a manager in the club's history he's picked up three points from his opening eight games which is just amazing because I thought they'd be a lot better under Tony Pulis. But in this game particularly, the defending at times was really poor, wasn't it? And you don't really expect that from a Tony Pulis side. You're spot on. The, the first goal, four minutes into a game against um, a rival that's down at the bottom of the table with you. 
you don't give a goal away to a left back who hasn't scored for the club yet. Mm. That's no disrespect to Ribeiro who got the goal, but he's he's a left back. You don't allow fullbacks to score. Full stop. Um, and yeah, the defending was a joke for both of the goals, and it's been a lot. It's been an alarming decline for a while. There seems to be a lack of balance, or Tony Pugh can't find the balance in his defence at the moment. Um, you know, he's, he's persevering with four at the back. Should they go five at the back as they were under Munch? They looked a bit more solid. Yeah, so many, so many question marks. And as you say, it's the worst start in the history of Sheffield Wednesday for a new manager and that is quite damning um, given some of the I wouldn't say dross they've had through the doors managerial but there'll be some Wednesday fans who will point that out that they have had some bad managers over the years I think Tony Pulis's record of never being relegated is in serious jeopardy at the moment isn't it uh, but the big moment from this match well <laughs> it's the big moment that everyone's been talking about from this match is a uh, when Lewis Graben scored for a second, Wednesday defender Moses Odebarju was caught smiling and seemingly high-fiving Graben. He since tweeted to say he did it because he thought the goal was going to be disallowed. Now, I've rewatched the incident, and I think that is a load of rubbish. <laughs> this happened in the 87th minute when Wednesday were 1-0 down. If he thought it was going to be disallowed, why isn't he rushing to get the ball so the game can restart? That's the first point I've got. Whether he actually did think it was going to be disallowed or not, it's not a good look. When your side is losing and they're in the state that they're in at the moment, Justin, I can't see any way of defending that reaction that Adabarju's given. Because he's definitely smiled, hasn't he? I, I think that's... Hmm. Fit. I don't think there's any debate around that. And I think, in a way, it just sums up the state Wednesday are in. There's clearly something wrong behind the scenes at the club. I don't know what it is. But it's destroying the club, and as it stands, it looks like it's going to send them down because they don't look like they're picking up any results anytime soon. And the fact you've got one of your defenders smiling after conceding a goal, whether he thought it was disallowed or not, is pretty much a, a statement of where Wednesday are at the moment. Because if you are smiling when you concede, whether it's going to be disallowed or not, you clearly don't care that much, do you? Mm, yeah, I'm a bit... I disagree with you. I, I, I do disagree bit? with you. On what bit? Most of it, really. Um, mainly because, as a, as a, what? Firstly, it, again, it was pointed out by Forrest, some some of the Forest reporters who were commenting on the incident. That he is was a one of Wednesday's bet. Eh? <laughs> that was a Forest fan. Yeah. No. Um, no. Yeah, Moses Odebarge was one of the better players on the night for Wednesday. Um, so it's hard. You can't really say that he's not committed because clearly was in that game uh, and as well as that you know from personal experience I have a laughing joke with opposition players not right okay granted not right after we concede a goal but again going back to you know but the game just, Sunday, just, to, just, to, just, to, just to get you on there, there there's a big difference between and I'm not having any much of a jab at you and your talent as a footballer but there's a bit of a difference between Sunday league and championship football where this bloke's getting paid thousands a week to win football matches yeah, but the main similarity is we're playing football and we all want to win. That's that's the similarity. Yeah, there. but winning in the championship means a lot more than in Derby Division 10 or whatever division you're in. It's Division 2, thank you. But <laughs> what 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 I'm trying to say is like there's a camaraderie amongst players and everybody who plays football will have this. You know, me and you played football on Monday night. 
we're having a laughing joke with each other because we're against each other all night. Okay, we're friends. But maybe, you know, those two are friends. So, again, there's a bit of credence to my point there as well. Um, but what, you know, I, I don't think he was saying, you know, well done, mate, good goal. You know, no one in their right mind is going to do that with the with the amount of cameras that are around and the amount of, you know, <laughs> vitriol you're going to get on social media. Um, I just think it was, it was an ill-judged moment and perhaps he was trying to sort of jibe grabbing on saying, hey, goal's disallowed. Because, you know, it did look like a foul, to be fair. Um, you know, I, I just, I can't see him doing it purposely. I don't think, I don't see any professional footballer doing it purposely. I don't know. I'm not saying he's done it purposely. I think he's just been caught out. And as I say, if he thinks it's going to be disallowed, why isn't he rushing to get the ball? That, that's the only thing. That's the main argument for me on why I think Odebarju's excuse is a bit flimsy. Nonetheless, we've got to move on, Justin. Uh, because the shock of the week came at Pride Park as Derby beat Swansea 2-0. Considering Derby were unbeaten in five coming into this game, then maybe it wasn't much of a surprise. What was surprising was how dominant Derby were. Because if you said one of these sides were in the playoffs and the other was in the bottom of three, you'd have been shocked to find out which way round it was, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was I was relatively surprised at how much Derby controlled the game, mainly because of how the way Swansea set up and how they want to play. You know, they want to dictate defensively and with the ball. They control the game like that. But really, it was it was Derby who were having the better opportunities. They were having the you know, they controlled the midfield. The, the midfield three of Shinny, Knight and Bielik were, were superb in nullifying um, Swansea being able to play through them into AU again because AU was pretty much irrelevant throughout the game. Jamal Lowe was as well. I think Lowe got substituted in the 60th minute. Um, so, yeah, it really was testament to the performance they put in and they put in a real shift. That's that's the, that's it for me. You know, they put in a shift, which is what they've needed. To, you know, if they, if they were doing that before... Um, you know, when when Cocker was still in charge, they'd have got results. But you know, for me, the players just weren't putting it in. But now they are. That's the difference between um, now and back then. And you know, it's holding this game. And finally, I guess a bit of luck in the sense that you know, players had chances and they took them. I know what you mean. It was an all-round superb performance, wasn't mm. it? Easily their best of the season so far. And considering going forwards, they've been fairly toothless. It was such a massive contrast. Defensively, they've not actually been too bad over the course of the season. But here, they completely shut Swansea down. And they've actually conceded one shot on target in their last three games. And I think the reintroduction of Christian Bielik to the side has been massive in that. He was unbelievable. He was. He really was. He's been out for so long and it's easy to forget how good he is. But Christ almighty... He's looked like prime Busquets in the last few games. He's been unreal. I don't think I've seen a championship midfielder dominate the middle of the park like he's done in a long time. He just runs the game and destroys attacks and he's bloody good on the ball as well. I genuinely forgot how good he was on the ball because he's got such a great range of passing. And I think the turnaround in Derby's form, it's obviously not completely down to him, but he's played a big part in it. Derby, unbeaten in six now. And surely... Wayne Rooney's got to get the job now, hasn't he? Again, I'm very much leaning to it, but you know, you you go to Rotherham, you get a win, then yeah, absolutely. I think the Rotherham on Saturday is the, the big the big indicator for me um, because obviously it's coming up to January. Do I need players, and we need a manager to be in charge. Mm. I don't think there's too many Derby fans who are anti Rooney now, which is amazing considering mm. what this time last month everyone was saying 
Rooney, absolutely not. Uh, just quickly on Swansea, they were surprisingly off-key. Complete contrast to the win over Cardiff at the weekend. They just couldn't find a way to break down Derby and were lacking a spark in the final third, as you mentioned. AU and Lowe, pretty much silence throughout mm-hmm. the whole game. I don't think it's anything to worry about, though, because Swansea have looked good on plenty of occasions this season, haven't they? Hopefully it was just an off day. Bristol City nil, Millwall 2. Millwall's first win in 11 games and I tell you what, it was a very good performance, wasn't it? It was, and I was almost a bit surprised at how um, well, not not very close the game was. You know, I thought Bristol City would be a bit more resolute, and obviously Millwall, being in the poor run of form than they are, I thought the game would be a lot closer than it was. But it was an easy win for Millwall, it really was, and obviously it's the first win in eight games. Um, they, they really did get their act together for it. They definitely did. This is the Millwall we expected to see this season. They were very solid defensively, efficient going forwards. If I'm being cynical, then Judd Wallace had a good game. And as I keep saying, when he plays well, Millwall play well. But in fairness, the whole side played well on this occasion. It was much, much better. They've got Forrest at the weekend, which they've got to see as a chance to build some momentum uh, after the poor run they've been on. For Bristol City, it was their second consecutive performance where they've gone into a game. You'd probably say as favourites, all things considered. And they've been distantly second best, haven't they? Yeah, and that's, as you say, that's the stark contrast between even you know a few weeks ago to now. They Their performance levels have dropped considerably, um, both defensively and going forward. Going forward, they've been a shadow of, well, what you'd, how they were in the first few games of the season. Obviously, yeah. they've lost players, but... They've still managed to tick along, but even now, they're, I think it was just one shot on target in this game. You know, you have to start, not ask questions, but, you know, they're limping, out, they're limping to the January transfer window to try and get some bodies in because that is really what they're, they're lacking. They don't have the rotation like other sides. Um, they don't have the, the strength in depth, mainly because everybody's injured. They just they don't have that, so they can't rotate like other teams can. And obviously, with the punishing schedule that they have, they're going to struggle. And... You know, this game here epitomised it. They were they were really bad. Yeah, they're desperate for some creativity in the middle of the park, aren't they? In fact, there are reports today from the Bristol Post or whatever the local newspaper in Bristol is, um, saying that Casey Palmer could be coming back in January, which makes perfect sense, just because he is exactly what they need, really. Yeah. Uh, from Orages, you got sent off after trying a bicycle kick and kicking a Millwall player in the head. That's what you get for trying to be fancy. <laughs> Yeah, that was the most spectacular overhead attempt I've seen. Um, nowhere near the ball, outside the area. Fair play for Mara. I, I hold my hat off to you for having the ambition to try something that ridiculous from that far out. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Speculative, to say the very least. I think for Bristol City, the concern is the performances have been dropping off for a while. And as Jack from BS3 Talk was saying at the weekend, results like this have been coming. And it's similar to last season when Bristol City were in the playoffs under Lee Johnson and getting results before all went drastically wrong. Bristol City fans were saying to us they were surprised that they were in the playoff race because they hadn't actually been playing that well. And it seems like the same is happening now. The thing is with Dean Holden is it's his first season. They've had loads of injuries and you could argue they've been unluckiest in the league with injuries this season. So I don't think the expectation should be too high. However, after a good start to the season and Holden not being the most popular choice as manager in the summer to begin with, the fans will be on his back unless things improve. 
Reading 1, Norwich 2. This was the derby between teams near the top, who I've had my doubts over this season. And it was Norwich who came out on top, so well done, Norwich. All joking aside, though, Norwich were the better side here. Reading seemed to really struggle going forwards without Meite and Zhao because they created very little in this game. Alpha Semedo was playing up front for Reading, <laughs> and he's a midfielder. So what that says about Sam Bulldog, who was on the bench, I don't know. But Meite and Zhao are out for the rest of the year. And they've got some tricky games over the festive period. They could lose some ground on the top sides, couldn't they? They could. I like the rest of the year comment, given that there's two weeks left of uh, 2020. Hey, still rest of the year. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I completely forgot what you were saying. But, uh, yeah, they, they are they are struggling going forward. And as I say, Semedo's played 10. He's played up front. But at Forest, he played as one of the two holding midfielders. Um, last season so it is it was a bit of a strange one given that Bodock is on the bench and obviously Elise played as a sort of a winger 10 false nine it was quite a fluid forward line um and Aluko as well I thought Aluko played pretty well actually um but yeah they are you can see they are struggling with, without the potent forwards that they have like Meite and and um Luka Shao. so how they get through the next two weeks sorry how they get through to the rest of the year um remains to be seen yeah, they're, they're definitely missing Zhao, who has been playing out of his skin this season. He's having the best season of his career. Uh, four straight wins for now for Norwich, despite me saying recently that I don't think they'll go up. Fair play to him. They deserved the win here. Because they were the better side, weren't they? They were. They, they, I wouldn't say they controlled the game, but they came up, came up against a team who didn't have much going forward. So they, it was just a case of trying to break them down. But still, you know, it was a relatively close close fought game. And Reading still had a couple of opportunities. Um, but on the balance for players, you say Norwich deserved the win. Um, they 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 grind them out. They grind them out, which you know I, I disagree with what you said on Sunday about them being lucky because teams were up there because hang on, hang on, hang games. on, hang on. Fortunate, not lucky. Okay, fortunate. Yeah, teams were up there because they're grinding out games, and Norwich are very much doing that with a fairly depleted squad. It's coming back uh, in trips and drabs. They are getting players back, um, and as you say, that they're getting they're getting wins, which is. The important thing until they have a full strength squad and January coming up, you know, they're only going to get better. Just quickly on Norwich, I don't want to drag on this for too long, but when I said what I said about Norwich at the weekend, where I thought they were fortunate so far this season, people kept telling me that Norwich have had loads of injuries. All the teams at the top have had loads of injuries Reading, Bournemouth, Watford, all these teams have had injuries. It's not just Norwich. Just want to put that out there because. It really wound me up. Anyway, <laughs> Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll talk about a cracker of a game at the Cardiff City Stadium. Uh, wins for Bournemouth, Barnsley and Blackburn. Are you struggling for present ideas this Christmas? Have you thought about getting a Dortmund shirt for your dad? What about some Barcelona shorts for your brother? Or maybe even a Lazio jumper for that special someone in your life? Classic Football Shirts has everything you need for any football mad people you're buying for this Christmas. Whether it's a Blackburn shirt from 2007 or even Middlesbrough themed loungewear, whoever they support, they'll have something for their club. Have a look for yourself at classicfootballshirts.co.uk or visit them in store in either London or Manchester.
Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. There was a dramatic game at the Cardiff City Stadium between Cardiff and Birmingham. Blues were 2-1 up and then the home side managed to score too late on. Cardiff missed a penalty along the way as well. A massive win for Cardiff, especially after the loss in the South Wales derby at the weekend. And also because they managed to do it without Kiefer Moore, Justin. They have. They have. And, you know, it's another set piece that they score from with Sean Morrison. I think he's got the potential to hit double figures under Neil Harris. <laughs> uh, um, I think any centre-half who's played under Neil Harris has had a, a fairly productive campaign in terms of goal, going back to Jake Cooper a few years back. But that's 12 goals from, from corners now, which is more than Sheffield Wednesday, Wickham and Derby have managed in open play. But having this variation that they have, especially without Kiefer Moore in the side, is going to be important to them. And when you've got talisman like Harry Wilson who can provide and score, it's it's massive, and especially in tight games like this when they have the quality that they do. The delivery in the 89th minute, you know, sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's poor. You know, players are tired, and deliveries just aren't quite the same as they were early on in the game. But to hit the money the way Harry Wilson did on Morrison was, you know, he delivered the ball in the, in the perfect area, uh, and obviously Glatzel scored as well, which is massive with Keith Moore being out injured. Yeah, definitely. You pretty much hit the nail on the head with what exactly what I was going to say. They need players to step up, don't they? Like Glatzel, like Wilson, and Wilson in particular. He, he's someone who's blown a bit hot and cold this season, hasn't he? But he got a goal and two assists here. It's interesting because he played behind the striker where he's mostly been on the wing this season. So with more out for a few weeks, I think it makes sense for him to be playing in that number 10 role, doesn't it? Because you want your most talented players to be on the ball as much as possible. And he probably is their most talented player. Um, and with more not being in the side, it makes sense for him to be there because when Moore is in the side, having him to whip in balls, quality balls to Kiefer Moore's head. Makes sense, really. <laughs> uh, go back to the actual game, though. I thought Birmingham were actually all right. Yeah. Ita Karanka would have been disappointed to have conceded three, but there were positives. Ivan Sanchez's goal being one. My Lord, that was <laughs> delightful. It's the little jink he does to get past Joe Bennett. It was very Messi-esque. Uh, he started the season off really well, did Sanchez, and... I was sat there thinking Blues have played a blinder in getting him in, but he's been a bit quiet since that good start. Hopefully this gives him a confidence boost because Blues could really use him going forwards, couldn't they? They could. And uh, as you as you point out, having players like um, Leco, Bieler, Sanchez all contributing is really important because what I feel that they're missing is a forward that knits their attack together. And, you know, uh, Djokovic and Hogan they're both extremes at both ends of the scale aren't they you've got a target man in, in Djokovic and you've got Hogan who's very much a you know, a poacher he's just a typical poacher um, so having a having a player a striker who can uh, contribute in the final third uh, and get involved elsewhere you know I think they'd create more and score more because of the 472 72 touches that Birmingham had Birmingham City had just 18 were in Carly's box so having a striker who can play with his back to goal get those three, well, one of those three players in the game, um, you know, it'll pay dividends going forward for them and that can be the difference in tight games like this. Absolutely. Birmingham is 17th now, six points above the bottom three. Bournemouth made it three wins from four after beating Wickham 1-0. A very frustrating game for Bournemouth who were constantly knocking on the door of Wickham and it was so frustrating that it led to Sam Surridge and Junior Stanislas squaring up to each other after Surridge had a shot instead of passing it to Stanislas. Stanislas posted on Instagram after the game to say the pair spoke afterwards and sorted it out. 
that makes it sound like they had a fight in the car park. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean that. They, they put the issue to bed, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I'd much rather see that kind of reaction, Justin, from my players than what we saw with Moses Adebayo. Because it, show, it shows that they want to win and they genuinely care about extending the scoreline. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I understand. I, I watched a couple of clips back. Of, um, I think it was a Luton-Watford game and someone, James Collins shot instead of squaring it and someone called him a, a greedy C-U-N-T. Um, <laughs> you know, we, won't, we won't say that. And I, I completely get it. And you know, you're in the heat at the moment, you're passionate and you want to score and obviously you say you want to win. Um and it can be frustrating, especially when a greedy striker doesn't square it. Um, so you can understand the frustration, but as you say, it is much better to be in that position where you're literally scrapping for wins um, than it is to congratulate, allegedly congratulate an opposition player for scoring. It, it happened, was it last season for Spurs, didn't it? When I think Son was having a bit of a Barney with... Was Set it to Maurice. Yeah, 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 I remember it now. You want to see that, don't you? And I think Mourinho was saying at the time, He'd rather his players doing that than well, he didn't, than do what Adebayo did. No, he didn't say <laughs> that. It, but he said he, he doesn't mind if his players are doing that because it does genuinely show that they want to win. Uh, but it was a dominant performance for Bournemouth and they probably should have scored more. Jason Tindall even admitted so after the game. But a win's a win. More importantly, mm. it creates a three-point gap between them and Watford in third. So it's looking very tidy at the top of the table from a Bournemouth perspective. Wickham... They were more than happy to sit back and try and get a point. Not too surprising, especially after they had a man sent off. I don't think many Wickham fans would have expected to get anything from this game, so you can't blame them for trying to just grind out a result. The issue is the teams around them have all picked up points and they're now five points from safety. Their slim chances of staying up have dwindled quite rapidly over the last couple of weeks, haven't they? And considering Mm -hmm. Wickham... The, the points they're getting seem to be just draws and not wins. Five points looks a massive gap at the moment, doesn't it? Well, that, that's it. You know, just, it's no wins in nine. Um, and things start to look a little bit bleak, especially when you're coming up against teams where you've got an opportunity to take points off of them um, and it doesn't happen. You, you know, You can have these games where you come up against superior opposition where you can relax a little bit. Um, not too much, obviously, but you know what I mean. You know you can. Yeah. You expect to get pulled by some teams. You sit. You take your foot off the not foot off the gas, but you relax. Essentially, um, and as I say, they haven't been able to give themselves that buffer because they haven't picked up the points in in the other games. And unfortunately, it's it's, it's getting harder for them because, as you say, teams around them are picking up points. Mm. Gav McCleary, though, he's been superb for mm. Wickham ever since he's joined. He's, he's, it, makes, it, makes, it surprises me that no one else picked him up because he's looked so good for Wickham so far. Uh, but they have got QPR at the weekend, which you would say is probably a winnable game for Wickham. It's also the Gareth Ainsworth derby. Uh, Barnsley <laughs> 2, Preston 1. You may remember I said at the weekend that Barnsley could get in the playoffs this season. When Barnsley were 1-0 down, someone tweeted me, taking the mickey. When Barnsley came back and won, I tried to find that tweet and whoever it was deleted it. The coward. (laughs) If there's one thing I've learned from tweeting on the second tier account, it's wait until the game is finished. Anyway, a a game of few chances, really. Alex Neal said the game. um, Probably a draw would have been a fair result, but it is another win for Barnsley. By no means their best performance, but it is four from their last five now, Justin. Yeah, and you know, if it's a close game and one team's in form and one team's out of form, look starts to sort of side with the team that is that is in form. And obviously it happened, it happened with Barnsley. And, 
you know, the reason why they're having success at the moment is because I think I point to it at the weekend is they're consistent. They've got an identity that's recruitment, choice of manager, um, and quite quite easily one of the best world clubs in the division. Um, you know, the only thing that's probably holding them back from potentially competing in the playoffs is just having a, a striker alongside Woodrow who can who can score as many goals. But it's Adarabio, no, Adarboyejo. I think it's pronounced. At boy Asia. Yes. It's a tricky one. We'll call him Big Vic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, he, he, I think he came on against Derby and took a goal really, really well. And he, he's obviously got ability, but Barnsley need, you know, perhaps a strength in depth up there to, to be able to push him to the next level. Whether or not, you know, the the, uh, the hierarchy see it this season as a realistic chance to, to get up there. But, you know, why not? Why are you there? I think Connor Chaplin was the striker that looked like he was going to fill that gap next to Corley Woodrow last season, mm-hmm. wasn't he? Because he, he was superb for a good few months, but he's yeah. kind of uh, gone off the ball since then. And then, obviously, we had Jacob Brown last season as well, but he's since moved on to Stoke. So, I get what you mean. An, another striker alongside Woodrow would be superb for Barnsley. And considering mm-hmm. how they do their business, it wouldn't surprise me if they just found someone in League One and turned him into... A championship wonder kid. Uh, <laughs> Alex Marrott scored from outside the box again. He's got three now from that distance. Question for you. Has he got the best left foot in the championship? Ooh. Um, maybe. In terms of hitting balls the way he does, mm. yeah. It's, because it's between it's, him and Harry Wilson for me. Ah, no, it's Harry Wilson then. Harry Wilson all day because Harry Wilson does it consistently. Whereas Marwitz probably won every five as five, six, seven games. If Marwick did it more consistently, which is one of my sort of criticism of him, is that he doesn't, then yeah, you you can argue that, but it's got to be Harry Wilson for the best left foot. He scored some crackers earlier in the season though, didn't he? He has. Um, But Preston, second straight loss for them. This unpredictable Preston side at that. Alex Neal, once again facing calls to be sacked. Justin, what do you think? No, I I don't think they should. Um, you know the, the contrast between them and Barnsley in terms of how they run. You know, they're fairly similar. They're quite efficient, um, and obviously because of COVID, they've, they've been reluctant to invest. Um, and obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've got Ben Pearson, Alan Brown, and Daniel Johnson all out of contract at the end of the season. Yeah, that's right. You know those those sorts of things should be tied up because they're going to go for pennies in January potentially, and they're gonna, they're going to be even weakened. You take those players out of the team. And you don't replace them, or you don't bring in players in the summer or before. Then, as you noted a few weeks ago, they haven't signed many players under Alex Neil. You know, there's not a uh, not a revolving door, but there's not a conveyor belt of talent coming through the doors. It's been very, it's been the same for a while, and that's for me is what's letting them down. You look at the quality Scott Sinclair's brought to that team. They haven't brought anybody in to sort of prop it up. It's just been Scott Sinclair. You know, if they if they put a few more players into the side. I think they'd be fine, but you know you can't sack a manager who hasn't been backed. No, it's a fair point. Blackburn got a 98th minute winner against Rotherham to beat them 2-1. A very good game, actually. Both sides had good chances, and the draw probably would have been fair. You could even argue Rotherham edged it. So it's heartbreaking for them because with teams winning around them as well, it would have really helped, wouldn't it? It would, but Rotherham have a terrible habit of switching off. I went into the the, the stats a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, in this game, they've conceded twice in the last 20 minutes uh, of the game. That's including the stoppage time because Adam Armstrong scored in the 98th minute. Yep. Um, 
you know, it's criminal to switch off. And they've conceded 41% of their goals this season beyond the 71st minute. That's a lot. That's a, you know, I'm no mathematician, but that's a large portion of goals, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and that has to improve. You know, it's so hard to put your finger on it because, you know, if I, if I was Paul Warren in that game, I'd be throwing things at people. Oh, okay. Throwing yeah. stuff like what? What would you be throwing? Whatever's near me. Like, you know, board pen, bottle. Hand um, sanitizer. Hand sanitizer, yeah, that'll sting the eyes as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. I could understand the frustration from Paul Warren's side of things because it has happened a few times now this season. And 98th minute, it shouldn't really be happening. I, I thought the keeper should have come out for that one, in all honesty. They've got a massive game against Derby at the weekend, a massive game. And it's worth pointing out, they could drop into the bottom three for the first time this season if results go against them. So that's why it is so big from a Rotherham perspective. But for Blackburn, it's another win against a side in the bottom half. First win in four, so massively needed. Interestingly, their defence is pretty much the the defence that Blackburn fans would have picked because they've had a few injury problems, but Niambe, Lenihan, Ayala and Douglas all played in this game. And that's the back line that Blackburn fans have been looking forward to seeing for quite a while. Although, they did concede quite a few chances against Rotherham here, but it's going to take a while for them to gel, isn't it? Middlesbrough <laughs> 1, Luton 0, Chuba Akpom with the goal. But the big story from this game was Luton's disallowed penalty. James Collins ended up kicking it against his standing foot, and then Luton fans weren't happy about the amount of protesting the Borough players were doing, and Nathan Jones said after the game he didn't think it would have been given unless it was for the Borough players doing that. Um, it's worth pointing out. It took a while for the referee to actually make the decision to disallow the goal, which I think just added to the frustration from the Luton perspective. But at the end of the day, it's the right decision, isn't it? Yeah, like if I'd have seen that as a Borough player, I'd be I'd be losing my mind. Like he's you know he's obviously kicked it twice. Go and talk to the linesman, get a second opinion on it. Don't just you know be sure about this because. Timu Puki did it earlier on in the season. It went over. Yeah. But it was just a goal kick that was given. So that was missed. Um, and there's been a couple in the Premier League, weirdly. Very strange that all these things are happening. It, it um, happened in the Championship earlier this season. I can't remember who it was. But there was definitely another incident where it was yeah. given. It might have been, was it Scott Sinclair? I might be doing him an injustice uh, yeah. there. But there, it was but, definitely another incident. But carry on. Yeah, but it was a good decision. And you're going to protest it. I don't know why you're moaning at, at someone protesting a, an incorrect decision. That should be happening. Yeah. I that know, should be happening. You're absolutely right. Simple. I think the Luton players as well would have done exactly the same thing yeah. if, it, if it was the other way around. And we give plenty of stick to referees on this show, but it's only fair that we give them praise when they yeah. get a difficult decision correct like this. So, uh, well done. Yeah, and you know what? He's, he's gone back on his, on his call as well. It's a, brave, it's a very brave thing to do. Yeah. So, yeah, fair play. Fair play referee and linesman. Yeah, I, it, obviously it took a while and maybe it could have been handled differently, but ultimately the right decisions happened because if Borough went down to 10 men and also had that penalty given against them, there would have been outcries everywhere. Uh, but yeah, as I mentioned, Borough were down to 10 men for the last half an hour after Sam Morsey was sent off for the penalty. Right decision, worth pointing out. Um, and then it was one-way traffic, but Luton barely created anything. And... Well, I mean, it's difficult to create anything against Borough with 11 men, mm. but when they're down to 10 men and know they have to sit back, then 
you're going to really struggle. But a second straight win for Borough after a dodgy spell when they were shipping goals for fun. They've now kept two clean sheets as well, which will be music to Neil Warnock's ears, Justin. Yeah, he loves a clean sheet, doesn't he? So it's 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 a gritty win and it's one to build on. Uh, and as you say, two clean sheets has been the probably... I think Warnock would be happier with the clean sheets than perhaps the, the not poor performances, but average performances. Let's go from one dodgy penalty to two penalties at Vicarage Road between Watford and Brentford. That finished one all, one all. But should Watford have won it? Because they had a goal ruled out for offside, which from the replays, looked quite clearly on, Justin. Well, you know, I'm for VAR, so <laughs> well, that's v- all I'm v- going to say on that. VAR would have definitely overruled that, wouldn't they? But yeah. from a refereeing perspective, if, if you're the assistant referee there and you can't tell that's not on side, then I've got some serious concerns. Well, I, I have more sympathy for linesmen than I do referees in some cases and I think calling off sides is, is difficult um, I, I do have sympathy I do have sympathy because these, these things are quick and it's a, you know as I mentioned last week um, at the weekend sorry referees and linesmen I've got a demanding schedule as well so things might get missed but you know perhaps perhaps they, you know it was the easy decision to make rather than the right one mm. I'm not sure I've got as much sympathy as you, but either way, <laughs> it, it was a fairly even game and a draw is probably about right. Uh, let's go to the two board draws from the midweek games. Justin QPR, nil. Stoke, nil. Coventry, nil. Huddersfield, nil. Any thoughts on either of those two games? Um, I think Stoke have... I, have they set a record for clean sheets now? Don't know. For, I think been? I thought they. I, th- I thought I saw that they set a record, um, a club record for um, clean sheets in a row. But you know, again, I think they're just waiting for players to get back in before they they go again, and they're not. You know, they're they're becoming hard to beat, and it's the same with um, with commentary now, who are still unbeaten since international international break. So, some good form from them, and they're, co- they're becoming a very tidy side at this level, which is which is really good. Let's do Who Knows Wins. This is our league where you can win money by correctly predicting the results of championship games. It's really easy to do. Just download the Who Knows Wins app and join our league. Guess the most correct results out of all the games in the championship. The more people involved, the bigger the bloody prize. The deadline this week is on Friday night. You've got an 8pm game on Friday. So make sure you join before then. I will not accept any moaning on Saturday morning from people saying, Where's the league? Where's the league? It's on Friday, guys. you got to join before the first game of the weekend. Right, we'll go through the games. Justin, Preston, Bristol City. Which way are you going? I'm going to go Preston. I'll also go Preston. Hopefully they have one of those games. Yes. Uh, Norwich, Cardiff. Um, I'm going to go draw. I'll go draw. Chef Wednesday, Coventry. I'm going to go Sheffield Wednesday. The win has to come at some point. I'll go Coventry. Wickham QPR. Um, I'm going to go draw. I'll go draw. Swansea Barnsley. Um, I'm going to go with Barnsley on this one. I've been some tricky games this week, isn't there? Uh, I'll go Swansea. Millwall Forest. Ooh, that's an ugly game. Uh, I'm going to go draw. I'll go Millwall. Luton Bournemouth. Luton Bournemouth. Going to Bournemouth. I'll get Bournemouth as well. Birmingham Borough. Uh, I'm going to go Borough. 
I'm going to go draw Brentford Reading. I'm going to go Brentford. I think Reading have enough going forward to. Yeah, Brentford for me. Stoke Blackburn. I'm going to go Blackburn. They create too many chances. I'm going Stoke. Huddersfield Watford. Ooh, again, draw. I think. I, I think Watford has got. They've got to take go past Huddersfield here, surely. And Rotherham Derby. I'm going to go draw. I'm going to go Derby. So that's Who Knows Wins. Make sure you join our league to win some big prizes. Just download the app now. Have a look for our league and make sure you join before Friday at 8pm. Right, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. Uh, we'll be back again on Sunday to give you another fantastic roundup of everything that's going on in the world of the Championship. So we look forward to seeing you then. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Beach. Thank you for listening.